For centuries, humans have been growing alongside our botanical brethren. Our histories have mixed and mingled to bring us modern medical marvels, faded folklore, and everything in between. Of course, in order to understand the plant, we have to start with its roots. I'm M. Grebner Gaddis, and this is Rooted. Hello, and welcome back to another episode in our potion series. This week, we're digging into two more ingredients from that infamous cauldron, tongue of dog and adder's fork. Luckily for us, these are once again plants, so everyone gets to keep their tongues and feet. Starting off with tongue of dog, most historians believe this is likely referring to hound's tongue, a plant belonging to the borage family that can get up to four feet tall. It prefers wet, disturbed soil, but doesn't care too much about nutrients. Hound's tongue, or Cynoglossum officinale, is native to Europe, but has since spread to North America, where it is considered a noxious weed. It's a biannual that's covered in small, rough hairs, just like a lot of its other famous family members. It has a row of deep reddish-purple flowers that have five-lobed petals, then a smaller inner flower which contains the pollen. The leaves are often described as hound's tongue-like, which really just means they're long, simple leaves that taper towards the end. They can be pollinated by bees or themselves, and each flower can produce four seeds, sometimes also called nutlets, that are covered with spiky little hooks, almost like Velcro, that stick to the fur of animals, allowing the plant to spread far and wide. Another name for hound's tongue is actually rats and mice, because, well, apparently it smells just like them. Yikes. But it does have some pretty interesting history. For starters, let's talk about how the heck it spread all the way here to the U.S. It turns out it was a bit of an accident. We believe that hound's tongue was brought to North America because it got mixed in with some wheat crops, where it quickly got out of hand, spreading its stink all over the continental U.S. and beyond. Besides just being super funky, this plant causes all kinds of problems for livestock due to a chemical it contains called pyrolizidine alkaloids, which target the cells of the liver, blocking them from reproducing, and eventually leading to a painful death for our farmyard friends. In people, though, hound's tongue was used in some less conventional cures. In 1725, it was used to cure madness, as people believed it would dry up the humidity, causing problems in the brain. But only if you rubbed the patient's freshly shaven head with a mixture of brandy made from rosemary, hound's tongue, elderflowers, laurel, wormwood, honey water, white wine, sage, and a little salt, plus a live pigeon or hen, presumably just briefly dunked in there, and you repeated that process for about 25 days. They could also drink that mixture as a tea, but I'm not so sure anyone would want to do that. Later, it was used as a diuretic to help combat venereal excess, lung disease, ulcers, baldness, 
and a number of other disorders, though absolutely none of these claims have ever been supported by scientific evidence of any kind. In Macbeth's potion, I'm assuming Hound's Tongue was added purely for the putrid vibes and threatening energy it brings to the party. After all, if I had to choose a smell to bring on instant dread, it would absolutely be dead rodents. On a significantly less stinky note, the next plant in our potion ingredients list is Adder's Fork, which is widely believed to be dogtooth violet, which, oddly enough, is not a violet at all, and is sometimes also called trout lily. The plant in question, Erythronium americanum, is a perennial in the lily family that forms large colonies of 8-inch tall yellow flowers, which droop their heads in an adorably weary way towards the two spiky green leaves with flecks of maroon that stick right out of the ground. These tiny guys are actually native to the U.S., which does make me wonder if maybe this could have been a different violet at the time, but most sources I could find specifically named this flower, which it's also called rattlesnake's violet or serpent's tongue. And in witchcraft, its relatives were used to stop gossip and slander, and placed on the doorstep of enemies to really make a statement. These guys aren't really used in medicine or found in a ton of folklore, but they are delightful, tidy little plants that you're very likely to find if you go for a walk in the woods this spring, and if you see them, I hope you say hello. If you live in Minnesota, be sure to keep your eyes peeled for the pink version of these guys that only grows in your state, and produces a super distinct bulb in the middle of their stalks right before they flower. You guys are some pretty lucky ducks, and I hope that every single day you feel exactly how lucky you are to have so many cool and extremely rare plants. Well, this was a bit of a shorter episode, I have some longer episodes and more exciting content coming your way in the next few weeks that I can't wait to share with you. We'll be diving into some super exciting plants for these last few episodes in the series, each with a ton of super tall tales and plenty of wild true histories. So, I think you'll really dig what's coming up. See you next time! If you like the show please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted.Pod, or on YouTube at Rooted.Podcast, and you can check out our website, RootedPod.com, for transcripts, updates, and so much more. Special thanks to Eric Cluxon for writing and performing our theme music, And of course, a special thank you to all of you for being here. Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to the earth, and just like a plant, drink your water.